tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for Planners. Welcome back to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the financial planning industry. I'm back again with Steve. We have uh, enjoyed the fruits of uh, decentralized podcasts. We've each spoken to some different members of the Planner DAO and had a lot of fun with them, but it's uh, it's good good to have you back. Thanks, Justin. Great to be here. Good to see you upright. So for anybody, if Justin makes even a little bit less sense than usual, cut him some slack. He just had surgery and I know he's on some decent painkillers right now. Painkillers are either going to make me way smarter or this is going to be a train wreck. So let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? At any rate, we're glad you're back and joining us. So before we get into our news articles here real quick, just a couple quick DAO announcements. First of all, um, we have cleared 450 members who have signed up for our community site to see what's going on. So thanks to everybody who has joined. And secondly, um, we've introduced DAO brainstorms. So these are open meetings where anybody can come and get in, get involved give their two cents, really see what it's all about, be part of the community without a big commitment to a working group or anything like that. So we have our first one on Thursday, right, Justin? That's correct. Uh, the international uh, uh, working group brainstorm um, is going to be kicked off. And we're really excited about that because it just proves that this movement is a global movement. This is not a US-centric thing. We don't have a monopoly on financial advice for everybody. Um, so it'll be fun to, to hear uh, from advisors all over the world uh, come together and talk about how we can deliver fiduciary standards to digital assets. So with that lead in, let's talk about an article very specific to U.S. advisors, of course. So <laughs> as, as we get more news internationally, we'll, we'll do it. We'll expand out. But for now, this is what we know. So good article in investment news about uh, a new product that's launching. So Eagle Brook Advisors has been one of the original uh, crypto SMA managers. They were, and, and I apologize, I don't know if they're still Bitcoin only or if they've expanded out, but historically they've been Bitcoin only. Um, and, and managing in an SMA on Gemini. And they recently announced a strategic partnership with Thor Financial Technologies. Now, I wasn't familiar with Thor, but I'm familiar with companies uh, with kind of the same value prop as they do. Um, and I'll just kind of quote this uh, second paragraph, I think kind of uh, sums it up. So the Eaglebrook Crypto Separately Managed Account Platform is leveraging Thor's technology to design model portfolios offering 70% of crypto's upside performance and 40% of the downside risk. That's a, it's a very, um, very familiar sounding um, active management uh, overlay that is um, designed to dampen volatility. So we know that, that crypto uh, is arguably the most volatile asset we've ever seen um, created. And so you have this, um, this commitment to trying to to minimize and dampen that volatility. So they, they're bringing a risk-managed approach to crypto assets. Yeah. And, you know, this brings me back um, to a lot of the terminology we saw after 2008, right? As we went into the next decade and, and the wholesalers came around to offer us the products and, you know, every every strategy that was active during 2008, 
you know, that didn't get clobbered, you know, was suddenly front and center showing what their performance was in 2008, even if, right, even if they're only managing $2 million in assets, it didn't matter. They had the performance and the track record to, to show what the strategy was. And obviously active versus passive has been around a long time, but I feel like, you know, early, early in the tens is when the rise of tactical investing really came about. And we heard that term with everything. And so, uh, th this reminds me reminds me a bit of that, which is um, which is not not just active. It is we are strategically looking for opportunities here uh, in order to really flip that upside downside ratio on its head. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting to see that once again this is this is a a signpost that points to broader adoption. You're getting uh, additional. Uh, thought leaders and strategies coming to this crypto space. And this is probably just the beginning of your risk modeling, risk adjusted um, approaches to, um, to, to these uh, crypto funds, to these SMAs or, or mutual funds, or, or I'm sure ETF soon. And, um, you know, again, the, the question is how, how are RIAs supposed to think about this? How, how do advisors look to fit this into their book of business for their clients? Yeah, exactly. So a little, maybe a little history for younger advisors. So after the, you know, the 2008 uh, market crash, uh, you know, and we were waiting around. So we got through that, through that panic and it was awful and all that. And we won't relive that. But coming out of that is when we were really offered these super active tactical management strategies. And for those, uh, for those asset market advisors uh, who had some money that are like I did, you'll remember Stadium, uh, Rockdale or somebody was the other one. And they had a track record that went through 2008. So it was like, if your clients were down 52%, wouldn't they have rather been up 12? <laughs> and it was like, well, well yeah, right. But th that already happened. And so a good chunk of advisors said they would like that. They would have liked it. So they started shifting assets into these market timers immediately. Uh, and, and they used it to attract assets. So not just their existing clients and they found anybody they talked to they said hey look at this strategy this is what you would have done in this strategy and most advisors or most clients were too scared to ask how many of your clients were actually in that during during mm -hmm. the crash because the answer was zero for pretty much everybody um and those of us that, that didn't go you know the market timing route kind of hung on but we all went pretty much the same route which is once the back testing started it was hey we're not market timing you know but if you were in six funds you got clobbered yeah. Look at this new efficient frontier model. You should really have been in anywhere between 14 and 72 funds to really eliminate all volatility. Cause then instead of your, you know, balance portfolio being down 28%, you only would have been down 12. Wouldn't you have liked that? And we thought that's pretty reasonable, you know, and the return projections look, look similar. And so most of us did that. Um, and it was true. There was no volatility up or down. So as the market started, as the market started going up, uh, our, our, our portfolios didn't go up as much. Yeah. And so, and so anyway, before I, I make the story too long, I'll re relate that back to crypto, but I don't know, Justin, did you see similar things in your own firm or other advisors coming oh, out of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's a natural thing to react to this seismic, um, you know, risk event that just took down everybody. And so you understand where it came from. But what, what I always find interesting with these things is that, yes, we, we have this, this, under, this thought that people are so sensitive to losses far more than they are gains. 
The problem with that is that when the market starts recovering and those gains are piling up and you're not capturing a very high up percentage of them, you now have a problem in the other direction that yep. you're you are you are lagging behind the recovery. And so it, at the end of the day, it, it just points to there there is no free lunch. There is no filter that you can put on any asset, whether it's traditional or digital, and find this like perfect, you know, manufactured uh, automatic sort of sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. So so my takeaway here is re really similar to yours is that options are good, right? Options we need more great. entrants. We need more people involved. We need more things going on. So I applaud both of these companies for introducing this. Nothing but positive as far as introducing it. Uh, I, you know, the flip side of that, as far as, you know, would I be looking at it is that, well, there's a couple reasons to invest in Bitcoin. Um, number one is to hold it as a reserve asset if you ever need it. Mm -hmm. So if you're holding Bitcoin through through an SMA, you don't hold Bitcoin, right? You don't have it. You can't break glass in case of emergency. So you're losing that benefit. And then the other thing I'd say is if you want Bitcoin as an asset class or any crypto as an asset class, just to round out your portfolio, you're obviously using it as the aggressive portion of your portfolio. Right. If you're adding a volatility overlay on top, you're using it as something else. That's and right. What that is, I don't know. Now, maybe right. their track record will show us what it is. Backtesting does nothing for me. Maybe moving <laughs> forward, it will show us what that is. And then you would say, oh, here is a unique, this is a way to take an asset class and make it more unique so it might fit a broader swath of the population. Totally open to that being the result. However, I would need to see it in actual numbers and not backtested numbers. Yeah, I, I like you. I think having options to onboard clients um, in different ways is a positive thing. Um, you know, again, my my client base is I'm in Florida, so guess we're all they're all retired, collecting seashells or playing golf, right? And so having having volatility dampening risk managed um, actively is something that appeals to a lot of my clients. Um, but like you, it's just trying to understand where exactly would this fit then because um, the, 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 the roller coaster is pretty wild, but it has still been a, a worthy thing to just hold onto for you know a long period of time, which again, like you were saying, replaces any type of aggressive um, part of a portfolio. Um, yeah, should, should, be, should be interesting to see. And again, I think this is just the beginning of these variations on crypto assets. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And because it seems to me the problem for a, a lot of people um, <clears throat> is holding it in the first place, not the volatility. Right. Because they're not because <laughs> like, you know, you talk about maybe your population down in Florida, they're probably more worried about it disappearing and going to zero than they are about it going up and down 50 percent. Right. And so right. Uh, this doesn't necessarily solve that, although this is also, in fairness, not the issue they're trying to solve either. That's right. That's right. Well, the. The, the second article that we wanted to highlight comes to us from Coindesk, um, and it's about a platform called Blockchain. And um, full disclosure, I have um, uh, used Blockchain as, as a, a way to, to manage digital assets. Um, but really what, what the Coindesk article talks about is we are once again seeing the infrastructure be built out and available for advisors to have opportunities to manage crypto assets for clients that's 
more than just simply having these ETFs and these funds and SMAs, it's um, direct management of, of those things. Yeah, so I got to add a disclaimer as well. I currently, <clears throat> pardon me, I currently manage client assets on blockchain, and I'm a big fan, and uh, I'm a big fan of Dan Iyer, their CEO as well, and founder. Um, also recently met this author, and I like him as well, and talked to him for a while. So lots of lots of disclosures for me here. But the article is interesting because it really talks about how the advisor technology for crypto is catching up with our traditional tools and you know that that, that gap is closing um, and will even surpass in a lot of ways because it doesn't have to be built around these legacy systems mm-hmm. and you know i look out, out of out of a company i'm doing business with i wouldn't want to hear anything else and so i'm really glad and it's the other foundational piece blockchains is also blockchain is also ahead of everybody right now like yeah. they're doing as well or better as anybody. So they are doing a great job and they deserve to brag. However, yeah. I see a collision course coming between crypto technology and our traditional technology. Yeah, I think uh, the the most helpful thing that blockchain did was they built a platform that looks very familiar to an advisor um, that you would recognize from any sort of invest net or, um, you know, if you dabbled in some of these robo advisors or, or different services, it's, it is a very intuitive, it's very easy to build um, portfolios. It's very easy to manage accounts. And they, they, they really did put a lot of work into um, building out a very uh, familiar intuitive system for, for advisors to, um, to, to work on. But, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm definitely on the same page as you that although this is they are out in front and this is be you know the, the beginning stages of it we're, we're we're just we're just now starting to see these other more traditional um, technology providers sort of sniffing the the crypto space um, and, and integrations I think are going to be a very very key part of how how do all these systems start to to work together? Because right now we're back in this, you know, it's like it's like we we teleported back ten years where your 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 portfolio management system is siloed off from your CRM, which is siloed <laughs> off from you know everything else. Mm-hmm. And so the integration capabilities of it is is now going to start coming back into play for for advisors to to get comfortable using these systems. Yeah, you know, as we talk, I kind of see see three buckets developing here, right? And there's our traditional advisor fintech, and you know that will be to to manage, you know, obviously manage our traditional assets, and it won't be hard to add a portion of crypto assets to that. So Fidelity already trades Bitcoin and can put that right in the same billing and reporting and everything, and Schwab could do it next week if they wanted to. <laughs> they obviously they obviously won't until the next Haley's Comet comes by whenever that is, but they could if they wanted to. Uh, but but even but even um, people just integrating, you know, whether it be blockchain or Gemini or like a prime trust, that's already being done. That's mm-hmm. not real hard. But but that those are all custodial solutions. So I see existing tech just kind of sucking up a big chunk of the Gemini Prime Trust type business. I, I see a second box that that's more like fintech, um, more like on the Robin Hood model, except with companies that aren't awful and and drag down <laughs> society. So, <laughs> but, but but they'll be crypto funds, native. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they'll they'll be crypto native, right? So they'll come without the constraints of the traditional model. And sure, and they may do crypto, they may do stocks, they may do whatever. But they'll be able to start in the middle 
um, which, which is going to be easier for them, but that'll still be custody. Then we have the last bucket, and that's getting clients directly on chain in mm-hmm. non-custodial wallets and directly into DeFi, you know, which is what the, the planners of Planner Dow are working on. Uh, personally, that's where I spend the bulk of my time <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. And, and those, those, we don't want that to be compatible with traditional systems. Right. right. It's going to have to fall under those constraints. And so at some point, the peer decentralized experience is going to come into conflict with not just traditional finance, but also these custodial exchanges to a certain extent. Yeah, it's it really is a, a, a fascinating time to, to watch the development and the infrastructure of these things and sort of the almost like how these companies view their potential audience you know, again, we talked about that Robin Hood sort of model of we, we're just going to go and try to eat up, you know, these young mobile friendly, um, you know, uh, clients who are literally trading 24 seven all the time anyways, and just being crypto native to that. And at the same time, like you're saying, as these solutions continue to evolve, they are all still tethered to this traditional legacy system of custody. And for some people, that's going to be helpful to have those options. And that's going to be the best you know, solution for them to get their assets into to digital uh, assets. But the other is, like you're saying, it, it's fundamentally at, at, at tension with, and financial advisors can help solve that tension. Fiduciaries can help solve the tension. They, they, they can. And, and the last thing I, you know, I throw to this, uh, the last point I have to make is that as far as investing as an asset class, I think traditional finance and traditional fintech will, will win. Like it doesn't need to get a lot better than they are right now. But the future of crypto and the future of advising clients on what's out there isn't just an asset class. It's it's somebody, no matter their age, coming to you and said, hey, I heard I can borrow against my investments to buy a car. How do I do that? Absolutely. Well, well, you can get on you can get on the phone with Schwab for ninety minutes and try to open a line of credit um, and borrow out forty percent of the value and you know and and then still have it not work. Not not that that's happened recently, uh, but you know, or an advisor who is advising on DeFi can help their client you know deposit their ether and borrow against it for zero percent interest in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And so there's more than just investing. There's more that you're going to have to know as a planner. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's why the Planner DAO is such a, a fascinating space to come be a part of and engage in these conversations because the the investing asset class thesis is just honestly the very very first step of this brand new world that awaits you. So um, it I is. Think that's all we got time for. Yep. No, we didn't have very coordinated closing there, Justin. But that's all right. We'll we'll <laughs> Blame rally the drugs. it. Yeah, I think it was my fault. We're going to blame your drugs anyway. But at any rate, appreciate you joining us for the podcast. Thanks again for listening uh, to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.